We've been looking at the last few opportunities I've had at the beginning of the book of Joshua. Joshua is a book of transition for those who may not have been with us. We have a transition between the leadership of Moses to Joshua. We have the transition of the children of Israel from the wilderness into the promised land. We have the transition from Israel being a nomadic people moving around the wilderness to go in and occupying the promised land and fulfilling the promises that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I would like to have finished this series the last time I spoke. I really would, because it ended this way in chapter 6, verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. I'd like to have finished there, because it was a high point, a high point. The children of Israel had crossed the Jordan, The stones of memorial had been placed in the river where the priests had stood. They'd taken, they'd marched around Jericho. They'd shouted, the walls of Jericho fell down. And that was a great victory. And I'd like to say, well, that's where the story ends. But as in the title that I gave to this message is Victory to Defeat to Victory, I'm sorry to say that in this story, there is a defeat And this story is a warning to all of us that no matter how strong we may feel we are as Christians, we should always be on our guard. We should always take stock. You may say, well, I've been a Christian longer than you've been alive, Gordon. Well, you must be very old (laughs) because I'm very old. So you must be very, 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 very old. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't make mistakes. Let me tell you, you're in for one. That was a mistake, first of all, saying that. We're all in danger of a defeat. No matter how many victories we have, we must not be overconfident in the flesh. We must not be overconfident in ourselves. We have to rely upon the Lord. So the end of chapter six, Joshua is famous and it's spreading throughout the land. That's not a bad thing. It can be dangerous to be famous, but it meant that the name of the Lord had spread throughout the uh, land of Cana, which they were now going to possess. In chapter 7 and verse 1, the scene is set for us about what's going to happen. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regards to the devoted things. God had made a stipulation that the gold and silver and things that were in the city of Jericho were not to be taken as plunder by the people. The city was to be burnt. Sadly, well not sadly, Scripture tells us that... um, the people who were to be put to death and that the gold and silver was to come to the house of the Lord. They didn't have a temple then, but was going to be God's. And that was what the scene was set. And these things were to go to God. The people were not to receive anything from the city. Now that's what they were told to do. And sadly, the story is about a man called Achan who failed to do that. He felt that the rule didn't apply to him. And we're going to look at that story and hopefully learn some lessons that will help us in our walk with God. It says in Joshua 6, 18, but keep away from the devoted things. I've got down here, read the verse. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking them or otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. God warned them, do as you're told, 
Don't take any of the treasures from Jericho. Don't take any gold or silver or anything like that. You're not to take a thing. But this man Achan did. And the net result of it was very simple. In verse 7, in chapter 7, verses 2 to 5, we have the next city that they had to take. They're riding out, as it were, from a great victory, God's victory, in Jericho. And there was a bit of self-confidence here. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho that went to spy out. And they returned to Joshua and said, not all the people have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men and take it and do not weary the people for only a few men are there. So the spies went out to reconnoiter the city of Ai and they came back with, we can do it. In fact, we don't need the whole army. We can do it on our, with half the army. Now the sad point here is I don't sense anywhere here any consultation with God. Before Jericho, God told them what to do. March around once, 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 then seven times and the walls came down. They did what God said and they got a victory. Here they seem to rely upon their own understanding of the situation. Now God's given us a brain and he expects us to use it. I'm not one of these people that, you know, I don't get out of bed in the morning unless God tells me to get out of bed in the morning. I get out of the bed in the morning because the wife tells me. No, she doesn't. I'm sometimes up before her. Not always, but sometimes. But, you know, there seems to be a lack of consultation with the Lord. And that's what sometimes happens. We are, we're going on well with God and things are going well and we can get self-reliant instead of God-reliant. Well, maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on them. But they went out and to cut a long story short, it resulted in a defeat. It says in verse four, they were routed by the men of Ahai. Verse five says 36 of the men were killed and the response in Israel was very simple. Verse six, at this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. This defeat not only affected 36 families and 36 men lost their lives, but it affected the nation. But more than that, this affected God. And we must look further in this story than just six families who were bereaved through battle. We must look for this more than just a time of discouragement for the people. They had thought, well, God is with us. He's promised to be with us. He parted the Jordan or else he didn't part the Jordan. The waters backed up. He caused the, the walls of Jericho to fall down. And suddenly, what's happened? And what happened is very simple, sin. Not the sin maybe of arrogance, of them going out in their own strength, but someone in Israel had not done what God told them to do. And that man was Achan. I was interested to discover this week that Achan's name means trouble. Well, if ever a mother and father got it right, they got it right. I believe the root name for my name, Gordon, is handsome one. Now, I don't know if anybody else has come across that, but that's what I was told by someone wearing glasses. No, uh, or maybe they weren't wearing glasses. But his name meant trouble. And that's exactly what he brought upon Israel. He brought trouble. His action resulted in 36 soldiers dying. His action resulted in the people being discouraged and the hearts melted and became like water. And the situation was awful. 
So what happens next? Well, the leaders led. The leaders led. Verses 6 to 19, we have the intercession of Joshua and the elders. Having understood that something had gone wrong, this wasn't meant to happen. This wasn't the plan. You know, the church of Israel was supposed to be going on and on and on. And suddenly, from victory, we're in defeat. Suddenly, the name of God is not feared among the other cities. And the people's hearts have melted. And very simply, it says that Joshua, verse 6, tore his clothes, fell down before the ark, and the elders did the same and sprinkled dust upon them. And verse 8 says, when he's in conversation with God about what happened, he said, what can I say? There was nothing. He, had, he couldn't say anything. Joshua couldn't make excuse. He couldn't do anything because there was defeat. There must be a cause. They were warned in the previous chapter, keep away from the devoted things or your own destruction will come about. And what God warned them in 6.18 took place in chapter 7. I'm going to say something now, and I don't wish this to sound rude in any way, but do you know, and God means what he says. He does. Now, I've met people that don't mean what they say. No, lots of people. And I think when they're talking to me, I think, you don't mean this. I can just tell they don't mean it. You know, they're just saying something maybe to try and please me or I don't know. And I'm just thinking, you don't really mean this. But listen, God always means it. If God says, don't turn left, he isn't thinking about it. He's telling you, don't turn left. If God says, don't turn right, it's not up for a vote. Don't turn right. Leave the things to the Lord from Jericho. And if you don't, destruction. So God's word had come to pass in this. And it says there, um, what, shall, what then will you do for your great name? In other words, Mo, Joshua is on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. The elders are down there with him. They're saying to God, we're sorry. And then in the echoes almost of the intercessory prayers of Moses, which were famous in Numbers 14 and Deuteronomy 9, we see Joshua interceding like Moses for the people. And what about, what would you do about your great name? In other words, Lord, your name. Yes, men have died. Families have been bereaved. The nation is depressed. But Lord, what about your name? And there comes times when we should be more concerned about how our lives and our behaviour affect God rather than it affects us. And we're going to know how God felt about this in just a moment. And so Joshua begins to intercede as Moses did for the people. Well, we get to the next verse and it's almost comical what God says in verse 10. He says this, he's got the Joshua on his floor, he's got the elders there. And God now speaks in response to Joshua's intercession. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down there on your face? Almost sounds comical. Here is Joshua taking up a position of leadership, pleading and interceding for God, saying about the people and about your great name. And God almost says, oh, stand up, will you? What are you doing down there? Sometimes, you know, we need to do something. You know, for example, we are believing that this church, when we are allowed to, will be as full as it was before the pandemic. 
Big prayer, big faith for that. So many people may have dropped off the edges and I hope those who are listening at home, you're not one of those who get out of the habit and just can't be bothered to come back to church. Please don't do that. Please come back. And you know, we need to pray, but we need to do more than pray. We need to encourage one another. Ring some, I know you have this tremendous cells and the, the groups and the care is phenomenal. But if you've not seen someone, ring them up. Tell them, I've not seen you in church. Are you, I hope you're all right. You can't have too much care at a time like this. No one will be offended because we need to care for one another. And now it was a time for doing something. Joshua, it's no point you being down there. There's a time for praying and you've said you're sorry. Now stand up and do something. Maybe there's something you're praying about and you're actually the answer to your prayers. You say, well, I wish someone had witnessed to my neighbours. Huh? Why don't you do it? I wish someone would do this. I wish someone, oh Lord, will you send someone to cut the grass? That's my prayer, I tell you. You know, no, come on, stand up. What are you doing down there? This is almost, and some of you won't like this, there's almost a time when we have to stop praying and start doing. Oh, you, you can't have too much prayer. I know that. But for Joshua, he had to stand up. And may I encourage those who are listening and those here, maybe that's what this message tonight's about, for you to stand up and do that thing. Be that man, be that woman that God is looking for in that situation. He's not going to send another. He may already have sent you. Well, it's very simply in verse 11. God begins to give his assessment of what has happened in verse 11. This is God's opinion of what had happened. He says very simply, Israel has sinned. End of story. It's sin. You can wrap it up. You can talk about you know, background, you can talk about environment, you can talk about all sorts of things, you can talk about poor old Achan, what a name, trouble. He was doomed from his christening. Let me tell you, as far as God's concerned, and this is a word our society doesn't like, doesn't like clear lines, but let me tell you, God's got clear lines. What happened was sin, as far as God is concerned. Sin means to fall short of God's standard. It's like firing an arrow at a, a wall, you're always going to come short. You're never going to reach the mark. And so God clearly states what the problem was. Israel has sinned. He didn't say Achan had sinned. God knew it was Achan. But he said Israel. He wanted Israel to understand that the behaviour of one can affect so many. And how we see that in our society today. Then he says, they have violated my covenant they have taken the devoted things, they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. Almost the words that Achan was going to say later. And this is what God is saying. Stand up, Joshua. This is what I think is happening here. You're wondering why this has happened, Joshua. He did not know about Achan's sin till God told him now. Now, if I've got that wrong, email me. I won't necessarily reply, but I will change my notes. God said to him, stand up. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant. 
which I have commanded them to keep. They have taken the devoted things, things that were devoted to God, and they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them in their own possessions, with their own possessions. And now Joshua knew what the problem was. To quote almost an old type preaching sermon, there was sin in the camp. Within the nation, God said, that's the problem, Joshua. You want to know where we went wrong? Very simple. There's something in this nation, in this camp, that should not be there. It has been stolen. It has been hidden. And it says there, um, that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore. How Joshua must have been frightened at those words. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. In other words, Joshua, find out, find this thing, destroy it. Because till you do, I'm not going to be with you. Now, some of you are saying, well, this is Old Testament. And it is Old Testament. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about the new covenant as against the old covenant. But they were in this covenant with God. The deal was very simple. You do as I tell you, and I'll be your God. You keep your side of the bargain, and I'll follow through, protect you, bless you, and care for you. Okay? Now, Jesus has said to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and he won't. But this was a threat to Israel who had broken a covenant they had just confirmed again at the circumcision that took place at Gilgal. And so God says to Joshua, that's why you need to stand up. Because the problem isn't with you, Joshua. The problem is out there. May I just say very gently, let's ensure that our lives bring glory to God at all time and will not bring his name into disrepute. You know that in the place where you work, there are people there that would love you to mess up as a Christian. They think it would be hilarious, a joke. Oh, well, what do you expect from people to go to church? Well, they're religious. They're just waiting for it to happen. And we're not going to let it happen because we're going to do all that the Lord commands us. Well, I've got to move on quickly. What the, the simple thing was this. Um, the tribes had to appear before Joshua. To cut a long story short, so the tribes came and the families. And then we find by chapter 7, uh, sorry, pardon me, uh, chapter verse 20, it says this, verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise. Tell me what you have done and do not hide it. Joshua links confession of sin with praise and giving glory to God. You see, the point is this. God wasn't just wanting to find out who did it so that person could be punished. No, no, no. He, that person would have to be punished, but it was more than that. It was a spiritual matter that affected the camp, that affected the fulfillment of the promises of God for this nation 
to be taken. I remember in school, and it's always a dangerous thing when I start talking about school. Remember in school, we had a new form master. I could give you his name, but he might just be alive still. And he said to us, when we got into the fourth year, I don't know what that is in new money. He said, if any of you boys, an old boys school in Greenford, so if any of you boys get punished for something that you didn't do, you come and tell me and I'll have a word with the other teacher. So I got the cane and we had corporal punishment then. I got the cane for something I didn't do. So I went to this teacher. I said, excuse me, I didn't do this. And I got the cane for this. And I thought, this teacher, he's going to go to this other teacher and say, you came, poor little Gordon. And you know what he said to me? He said, don't worry, it'll make up for all the times you got away with it. <laughs> I was expecting justice. I was expecting to be taken into the school assembly and given a medal. And it makes up for all the time you got away. God's not a teacher. God isn't out to punish. He's out to restore and to bring Israel back to where they were. Very simply, that was his confession. Tell me what you've done and hide it not. Then Achan replied, it is true. That's it. Do you know, that's what confession is about. Saint to God, it's true. If the devil came to me and said, you're the worst pastor in Elam, I wouldn't argue with him. I don't think I am. I'm not looking at Scott, but I mean, you know, I don't think I am. But I wouldn't argue with him. I'm not bothered what the devil thinks of me. I'm worried about what God thinks of me, you know? And he said, it's true. And when God convicts you of sin, the first thing to say to him is, it's true. So the devil said, I'm the worst person. I'm not bothered. God said to me, Gordon, you are failing in this particular area. First, he says, Lord, it's true. It's true. That's where confession begins. In our Protestant Pentecostal tradition, confession is something we don't talk a lot about. I think it's probably a reaction to the Roman Catholic style of confession where you go to a priest, etc., etc. But you know, sometimes confession is all that's stopping you moving to the, your next experience with God, where you feel convicted. You look at your life, you know that things are not what they should be. And the first thing you have to say to God is, it's true. John wrote to the believers and said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John's letter. And please, that was to believers. And here we have the pathway of confession. First of all, it's true. Secondly, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. You see, sin is against the Lord. If I robbed a bank tomorrow, the crime would be I stole the bank's money, right? But I've sinned against the Lord because he told me, don't steal. So there's the vertical and the horizontal. I got that right, didn't I? Yes. Very good, um, on that way. And we have to understand what sin is. So sin isn't just me. If I stood on a Scott's foot, I've affected him. His foot will be painful, but I've sinned against God because I have to be nice to Scott. I have to, God's told me to be. 
So I have to be nice to you, Scott. I will be nice to you, Scott. No, no, I think we got on all right. But what I'm saying is, it's against God. And when we think of our behavior as affecting God, not just affecting the NatWest Bank or wherever you're going to rob, and please don't rob a bank because it's on video now and I could be classed as an accomplice. So please don't do that, okay? And so he says there, it's true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, he said, when I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia. Wow, what a place. We don't need any of their garments, that's for sure. 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of 50 gold. I coveted them, I took them, I hid them. And there we have the steps of his sin. First of all, he said, it's true, I have sinned. And this is what the steps. He said, I saw, I coveted, I took, I hid. And that's that dark area of temptation. God knows about temptation. Jesus was tested, tempted, and all points as we are. Temptation is not a sin. Given into it is. I saw, is there anything, I don't mean literally looking at, but is there something out there I saw? I coveted. I took, I hid. Please, will you check? What had happened was Achan had taken these garments and he'd hid them in his tent. I'm going to say under the ground sheet. I don't know if he had a ground sheet in the way that we would think of as camping. But he hid them. Will you, when you go home, spend some moments checking under your ground sheet? Is there anything there that shouldn't be there? A bad attitude, an unforgiving spirit. I won't go any further. I don't need to. God, the Holy Spirit will convict of sin. It's not my job to give you a list and you pick the one you like. Just check under the ground sheet. Is there something there? It won't be a Babylonian garment. It certainly won't be gold, I'm sure. But it might be an unforgiving spirit. It may be a lifestyle that you know is not what God wants you to do. Well, it began with, it's true. I've sinned against God. I saw, I coveted, I took, I hid. Almost finished. Well, what was going to happen now? He confessed, but he hadn't, really confessed in one sense because the whole nation was going to have to pass before Joshua. It wasn't that he got back home and he went to Joshua and said, Joshua, I'm sorry, I've done something wrong. And he had taken the stuff and devoted it to God before the men went out to Ahai to battle. No, no, he was found out. It was found out. I always remember a preacher, I think it was Gerald Coates speaking about sweeping things under the carpet. Sooner or later, the shape of that thing will appear. 
Sooner or later, Achan's sin was found out. Sadly, men had to die for this sin to be found out. Well, the judgment takes place. It's quite clear, it's quite severe. That says there, then Joshua together with all Israel took Achan the son and he took the silver, the robe, the gold wedge. I've got to read it. His sons and daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, you have brought this trouble on us. The Lord will be trouble on you today. And it says, all Israel stoned him. He died. Capital punishment was the order of the day. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And this is the old covenant. God was not being inconsistent. God had set out in the Ten Commandments. He'd set out in the laws of Israel. He had told them, he'd warned them what was going to happen. This was the consequences of sin. I have sinned. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it will die. You say, Gordon, this is the most miserable service I've ever been to. This has just got so little hope, a defeat, sin, hidden. Confession is the only positive thing in it that if we confess, he will forgive. And that's not just for those who are not Christians. For those who are Christians. But then all is not over. In the title I had to come up with, I went from victory, Jericho, to defeat Achan's sin. But in chapter 8, and I'm just about to finish, you've listened so well. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, his lands. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. And I hadn't thought about this. I preached, I preached this this morning in Birmingham. I'm preaching and we were running in tandem. It's the first week we've lined up. And I had a thought that I didn't share this morning. All Achan had to do was wait. That's all he had to do was wait. He couldn't wait. And I just sat there just a minute ago and I, nothing spooky went on. I just thought, hang on a minute. If he'd have waited, he could have had the plunder from Ahai. But he couldn't wait. He saw, he coveted, he took, he hid. And if only he had waited, God was going to give him the plunder of Ahai. But he didn't have any of it. When Israel went out to take Ai, where was Achan? Under a pile of stones. Not 12 stones of memorial, but a pile of rubble. They stoned them and the stones went over. That's where he was, the valley of Acre. Ahai did fall. Israel did defeat them with God's word. And that king was put to death as the king of Jericho was. 
and upon him they put a pile of rubble and stones. So the child of God is under the rubble and the Canaanite king is under the rubble. And go further back, there's 12 stones in a river reminding Israel that God will make a way through. Friends, temptation is very, very subtle, very subtle. You say, but Gordon, I've been waiting so long. Let me tell you now, wait till you get to Ai and you can have the plunder from that city. You have to wait on God. Don't take things into your own hands. We had a testimony earlier. Uh, someone was praying earlier, pardon me. You know, in the lockdown, in these troubles, there's such temptations when things are, are short and you're, you're going without and you're... you're I, please, I, I, I've retired now, so I'm not employed. And I, you know... Uh, so it doesn't affect... But for others, you know, making ends meet, please trust God. Trust God. There's a way through. So there was a victory at Jericho. There was a defeat at Ahai, but then there was a victory at Ahai when the children of Israel and God's name was extolled and lifted 